All right. We're still talking about exposing the spirit of fear. And, you know, that's been the main thing that they have tried to control us since 2020 is with a spirit of fear. And recently, I don't know if all y'all saw it. You can go to the websites and see it. They put out a new CDC report. In essence, what they're saying to us and laughing in our face is all they did in 2020 was absolutely not necessary. All, those, all of those that took shots and all that stuff, it was unnecessary. And they are saying it. See, it's a slap in the face of the believer. And you should be righteously indignant. They made you afraid of something that's been around since mankind. It's called germs. In fact, in their report, they're saying that even if you got the germ and getting around other people is really not that bad. Because all it is was the flu. And if you got good immune system, you can overcome. So what have we been taught? A bunch of lies. You ought to be angry, especially if you took the shot. You should be angry. Because you don't know what that shot going to do to you in 12 years. Because it takes 12 years that they, they've already said that. See, that's, see, y'all need to go out and hear the, the truth. It's going to take 12 years because it was never tested. You were the test. I suggest that you begin to have a, a prayer ritual over your life every day and command the healing of God to stay in your life. Don't sit back and wait for something else to happen new before you get on the word about healing. Get up and do something now because the enemy came against us. And it was our fear tactic. It was just so we would close the church. It was so the doors of the church could be closed. And since it worked so well, they might try it again. All right. How many of you know we have a race to run? And we are supposed to run and know that we are not running this race alone. How many of you know that? You're not in it by yourself. Not only does the... The Father know about it, and Jesus know, the Holy Spirit know, but those of, uh, uh, that have loved ones that have already gone to heaven, they are watching us to see how we will complete our race. And I don't know if you got a loved one in heaven like I do, and I know some of you do. You want them to look at you and say, go ahead, keep running. Don't, girl, don't settle for that. Don't listen to that. They, you know, I can, every time I think I'm at a crossroad, I hear the cheering squad encouraging me to keep going because they are watching us because they want us to fulfill God's plan just like God wants us to fulfill. See, some of them went too soon, and they understand how important it is that you finish the race. Let's look at Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. I know we read it before, but we can read it again. How I many you know the word is good? So just read it again. Hallelujah. Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 3. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. This is where we were talking about how discernment has everything to do with maintaining your faith. Because there's a lot of things that the devil wants you to embark upon that will keep you off course. And if you're not careful, you'll get right back into the everyday mundane things. And you lose sight of where you're supposed to be, what you're doing, and who you are. You lose sight of it because the everyday stuff began to take over again. And you had to get up early in the morning and go before God and say, 
What am I supposed to do today? What are, what do, where do you need me to be? What am I supposed to say? Who am I supposed to talk to today? Why? There's a witness, there's a cloud of witnesses that's waiting on us to finish this race. And we can't allow fear and distractions to keep us from finishing. And then it talks about looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne. See, Jesus completed, say completed, his assignment. He didn't leave here prematurely. He didn't leave here with his work undone. He didn't leave here with not doing everything that God needed him to do in this earth. And I am, I'm exhorting you this morning to go before God and ask him to pull up out of you and then be, begin to bring discipline in your soul and in your heart, in your life, so he can bring that through you. Don't keep going home and watching TV as usual. Get into your prayer closet. Spend some time with the Father. Just loving on him. You ain't got to beg him for what he needs you to do. He'll put it in you. Mm. See, because quitting begins in your mind. It's, it's always been a mind battle, but a faith fight. And you have to discipline your mind. Because it'll tell the flesh easy. We don't feel like praying today. The Lord understands. And before you know it's three days and you haven't prayed. See, when we are weary in our minds, it becomes easy for fear to take control of a situation. Why? Because weariness distorts our ability to discern. This is why there's always, say always, an attack on your mind. Because he knows weariness keeps you from discerning what's really going on. Hmm. Discernment helps to keep fear from ruling in our day-to-day -day circumstances. Because fear is always lurking. It's always trying to find a door or a window that they can, it can access and begin to root and build strongholds. And you got to know that about it. Have you ever had a situation that just seemed to linger and linger and linger, and then you start to grow weary about it? That's a plan. That's because not enough praise and worship going on. When you get weary and you sense that, you better find you a praise break. I listened to Pastor Mark Hagin say, it's called the praise cure. Look, you, you need to go in there and find you the cure, and it's called praise. Too long we settle that, and then if you're not careful, you'll start pitying yourself instead of overcoming the situation. But see, that's a door of fear. Pity is a door of fear and pride. To feel sorry for yourself is a form of pride. Might not like it, but it is. It's a form of pride. Because you're saying, God, you're not enough. I got to handle this my way. That's pride. So why did that situation take place? Because down inside, you feel sorry for yourself. That's why I keep lingering. Because the devil knows the more he could put putting pressure on you, the weaker you're getting because you're not resisting him. You're not submitting to God and resisting him. How do I do that, Pastor Down? Because if God gave me a remedy in the word, how to overthrow my enemy, why don't I use that? Why did, make, why did my flesh make it hard for me wanting to go into praise and worship? Because we know that's going to overthrow weariness. You can be physically tired and start praising God and you'll get strength. I've been there. See, that's why the devil don't want you to do it, because it'll release, it'll relieve your weariness. 
Hmm. Look at Romans 4, verse 16. Hallelujah. Now, this is where we discover how God taught Abraham how to speak those things that be not as though they were. And now go down to verse 19. See, God first declared him a father of many nations before he was actually or literally a father of many nations. Legally, he was already that. Now, Abraham messed up because he was learning just like you and I had to learn. This is the reason God changed his name. Because as long as he stayed Abram, see, as long as you stay attached to the old you, you're going to always have issues. The greatest thing you can do to yourself is dump the old you. Stop depending on it to give you insight about anything. It's dead. It's a dead being. Why do you keep talking to the dead stuff? In the eyes of God, it's dead. You should see it as dead. But as long as Abram could not see in himself, see his name Abram, that's the name his father gave him. So, okay, in that name, he still saw himself as who he was. So God says, I will change your name. And every time you say Abraham, now you are pronouncing who I said you are. And from that point on, Abraham began to change into the image of a father of many nations. Hmm. See, it's important that we, we align all of our words and thinking with the word of God. It, it is so very, very important. And I know we have slip-ups. All of us have mess-ups and stuff. But get back on it. Don't linger there. When you know you don't say something dumb, get it and, and, and kill it right then. Go to the root of it and pull it up. Don't let it linger. Don't let it hang out there like it's in, 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 in outer space somewhere, No. You said something that was against the word of God, go in there and correct it. Father God, I'm sorry. I, I forgive me for saying that. I apologize for saying that because that was against your will and your word. And I pluck it up from the root. And I'll not say that thing again. You can't let words just hang out there and don't do something about them, good or bad. You can't let them just hang out there with nothing because they're taking root. And because you can't see the root developing, you think it's not doing anything. But it is. He says, verse 19, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now what? Dead. When he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. See, once, once he understood all of the parameters of the equation, he dialed out his old self. And all he put in the brackets was what God said about him. So he could get the right answer. Remember our algebra? It's just a system of equations. You plug in the right one, you're going to get the right answer. You plug in the wrong one, you're going to get the wrong answer. Y plus this and that and that, y'all know how it goes, right? But it's supposed to come out with the one answer because there's only one answer you can get. You can't have multiple answers. Woo. It says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. See, he, got, he, got, he grew up and he stopped staggering. Ishmael was part of his staggering. He was still learning. This is why God had to go in there and fix some things and help him understand. Mm -mm. You, gonna keep, you, you can't keep doing this because you're not discerning what I want to be done. And Ishmael was not part of God's plan.
Mm-hmm. You said, well, didn't the Lord know? Ishmael was not part of God's plan for Abraham. Okay. Did God dislike Ishmael? No. But he was never declared the promised seed. Because he wasn't. So let's not change the word and try to make him equal with Isaac. You can't. Since God didn't, don't you do it. The righteous, those who have faith in God, are better in the way they understand than those who live by the law. Now, the law got you righteous to a point, but it could never do what faith in Jesus does. So let's not get them mixed up. Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law. What? He fulfilled the law so that we can believe by faith what they did in works. Okay. I see right now. Uh, okay. Y'all just keep right on working. Keep right on believing. He staggered out of the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully, say fully, persuaded that what God had promised him, God was able also to perform it. Now listen, write this statement down if you want to. Opposition is supposed to work for you. And what we do, I, I know this is foreign to most believers. What We just want the problem to just disappear. But we're not supposed to run from opposition. You're supposed to make it work for you. Because there's a development in that opposition that you can draw from if you do the word in it. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 4. Are you there? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 4. But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. By honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers yet true, as unknown yet and yet well known, as dying and behold, we live as chasing and not kill, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. He's saying there's a lot of things that you go through that come against you, but you're supposed to make your opposition work to your good. But when you are afraid of your opposed opponent, they've already won. When you open up your door and your opponent is already bullying you and you succumb to the bulliness, you've already lost. And then when you get back into this kind of environment, you try to secretly confess something. But when you're at the house by yourself, is the devil whipping your hind parts? Because you're scared of whatever you have in the face. I don't care if it's finances. Apostle Paul just named a whole lot of stuff. He said, but you're a minister of God. He started off with that. Hmm. Look at verse 11. Oh, you Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you. Our heart is enlarged. You are not straightening us, but you are straightening your own bowels. In other words, he's saying, uh, the problem is not with us. You have shut down your ability to receive from us. He said, we don't have a love problem. You got a giving issue. 
And for some reason, people think church is supposed to accommodate their emotions. Not. You don't bring your feelings into church. You bring your heart and your, and your ability to hear and to submit to the word. Because you won't change in your life. And you can't base it and judge it on your feelings. Because your feelings are attached to this body. And anytime your mind is not renewed unto the things of God, fear has a door. And these people were complaining to Apostle Paul as though they had uh, uh, kind of shunned them or, you know, and you know how some people say, well, pastor don't speak to me like she used to or get over yourself. Can I speak to anybody new besides you? Do I need your permission? See, this is the kind of stuff. See, when you got fear for people, these are the kind of activities go in church. Instead of rejoicing that, okay, oh, pastor's attending to the new baby. The old baby's getting offended. I can't spend as much time with you as I have to with the new baby. I'm expecting you to be more developed. You're three years old in the Lord. You ought to be able to at least sit in a chair and hold a conversation and wait for me to come speak to you if that's what you need. Good gracious. But people go to church and they get offended because the pastor don't speak to them. Who said it was this assignment to speak to you every service? This is how you lose your victory at home, because we got all this little mess like this that fear has brought. Mm. Watch this. Look at verse 14. Now he's bringing a very powerful point. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now you understand why it's so important. Who you fellowship with is affecting your faith. And they'll help keep doors of fear unto you. <coughs> Amen. Thank you. Amen. That's my grandbaby. He being raised right. I love that boy. Ooh, that's my baby. He says, and what communion have light with darkness? None. Pastor DJ used a very good example. I think it was Wednesday night. I don't know. I've been listening to so many people, but when you go in, when you come into the room, it might have been him to say this. <laughs> the light and darkness don't dwell together. If you come in this room and the light is on, darkness has been dispelled. So there is no fellowship. So stop trying to make fellowship. That's why I said you got to dump the old you because it's trying to keep darkness. Look at verse 17. Because we don't have any part with an unbeliever. Does that mean you hate people that don't believe like you know? That's not what he's saying. He's talking about you don't take that person into your holy of holies. He says in verse 17, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. See, Apostle Paul had an astounding list of oppositions and persecutions. But he learned what it took. He could not hang out with everybody and still maintain faith. If you're upholding the word, you got enough opposition to keep you busy. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need no extra person hanging around you that become a nemesis. So how did Apostle Paul endure so much? He did what Jesus did on the cross. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's look at verse 13. How are we going to endure? We're going to do what Jesus did. We got to say what is uh, right according to the word. 
let's, let's look up. Apostle Paul said in verse 13, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we having the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Number one, there is a spirit of faith that should be a part of you. The spirit of faith. He says we have the same spirit of faith that Jesus had. Paul recognized that. I have the same faith. Not a different faith, not a weaker faith. The exact same faith that Jesus used and authored. I have that same faith. And because I know I have that faith, I believed it. And now I got to speak about it. I, I can't sit quiet. You cannot be quiet or voiceless in your problem. You got to say something because the spirit of faith has to have a voice. So it can release itself in the atmosphere. You cannot sit and be quiet. Something has to be announced. Something has to be declared. And only you can do that one. Look at verse 14. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus from Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present. In other words, he says, knowing that since God raised Jesus from the dead, God's going to also do what it takes to take care of me. Because I'm raised up with Jesus. See, Jesus endured the cross based on the word of the Father. He took the promise of his Father and consented to death. But he was saying what the Father said. Look at Isaiah 53. I know y'all know this one, but come on. Isaiah 53. Hallelujah. He had to remember and say what was spoken of him. Before he ever showed up on the planet, Jesus had to learn and remember what was spoken of him. What was going to be his outcome? <laughs> and not just the cross. What was going to be the outcome? We told you on last Sunday, what's on the other side of the cross? Joy. Are you there? Look at verse 3. He was despised. I'm reading the uh, Passion Translation. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of deep sorrows who was no stranger to suffering and grief. So everybody got opportunity to suffer. It's how you do it. And we hid our faces from him. In disgust and consider him a nobody, not worthy of respect. That's the way most people do when you get in trouble. They act like they don't even know you. This is why you got to build yourself up. Because sometimes you get in trouble, you may not have your ace to back you up. You got to know what the word said about you. You got to know what the word said. This is the outcome you're supposed to get. Don't settle for anything less than the outcome of the word. It's all right to have prayer of agreement. It's all right to depend on another believer. I'm not, I'm not saying don't do that, but don't make that your lifestyle where you don't build you up. You got to always have a prayer partner. Ain't nothing wrong with just you and the Holy Ghost. That's more than enough to get the answer. Hmm. Sometimes having too many people involved in your prayer situation create more fear and unbelief. And you trying to figure out how you lost. You had too many people praying for you who didn't believe the way you said you believed. Got too much fear, doubt, and unbelief involved in it. Somebody might say, Lord, if it's your will. You don't know what they're praying when they're at home for you, if they remember to pray for you. But look what he did. Yet he was the one who carried our sickness and endured the torment of our sufferings. We viewed him as one who was being punished for something he himself had done, as one who was struck down by God and brought low. 
But it was because of our rebellious deeds that he was pierced and because of our sins that he was crushed. He endured the punishment that made us completely whole. And in his wounded, we found our healing. Woo, Jesus. Like wayward sheep, we have all wandered astray. Each of us have turned from God's paths and chosen our own way. Even so, Yahweh laid the guilt of our stupidity, of our all every sin upon him. While you were still doing your things, the guilt of sin was put on Jesus. So he went through some stuff. He had time. He had plenty of opposition. He could have said, I don't want this. He could have become afraid and said, oh, no, this ain't worth it. Just let him go and turn him into Christmas critters. Get me out of this. Let them go and be with the devil since they were dumb enough to follow him. He could have said that. Oh, look at verse 7. But he was oppressed and harshly mistreated. Still he humbly submitted, refusing to defend himself. He was brought like a gentle lamb to be slaughtered, like a silent sheep before his shearers. He didn't even open his mouth. By coercion and with a perversion of justice, he was taken away. And who could have imagined his future? He was cut down in the prime of his life for the rebellion of his own people who were struck down in their place. They gave him a grave among criminals. But he interested the world wanted to put him as label him as a criminal. But God said, No, you ain't putting him over there in that dirty grave. You know, you got some y'all, how many of y'all know every city got a graveyard that don't nobody want to be buried in? But he ended up instead in a rich man's tomb, although he had done no violence nor spoken deceitfully. Even though it pleased God to crush him with grief, he restored. He will be restored. See that? Verse 10 says, he will be restored to favor. After, say after. After his soul becomes a guilt offering, he will gaze upon his many offspring and prolong his days. And through him, God's deepest desires will be fully accomplished. Man. Verse 11, after the great anguish of his soul. See, this is the promise Jesus had to carry into the grave with him. He would see light and be fully satisfied by knowing him, the righteous one. My servant would make many to be righteous because he, their sin barrier, carried away their sins. And because he did that, in verse 12, so I... Yahweh, God Almighty, will assign him a portion among a great multitude, and he will triumph and divide the spoils of victory with his mighty ones, all because he poured out his lifeblood to death. He was counted among the worst sinners, yet he carries sin's burden for many and intercedes for those who are rebellious. Ha! Glory to God. Don't tell me about your little opposition. Opposition is supposed to work to your good. You're not supposed to succumb to it, nor be afraid of it. Because huh. the Lord promised he's going to give him a portion with all the kings and rulers. Are you a king and a priest? <laughs> Woo. Look at John 19. See, Jesus, Jesus carried this all the way to the cross. Look at verse 30. John 19, verse 30. You, you, got, you got to start focusing on who it is that authored your faith and not the situation. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. What's finished? The, the ratification, the New Testament is finished. What God wanted got completed. What God needed got completed. Don't you leave this earth not finishing what God called you unto. There's greatness in all of us. 
And a lot of you have shut down dreams and aspiration that you should be bubbling over in. And this, this is where most of our money is. You know, we got opportunity to do a lot of stuff, but I'm not waiting on nobody to be my salvation financially. I already have a deliverer. It's called Jesus. He purchased everything for me. And if he purchased my healing, if he purchased my new birth, if he purchased all these things for me, you think he's going to leave out the money when God just told me he's going to divide, he's going to divide the spoils? See, you've been, you've been given a lie if you think we're not supposed to be rich. You can, Jesus is going to divide the spoils with us. Being rich is part of your inheritance. And if you're afraid of money, you need to get some, you need to be in a place where you can learn some things because you're missing. It's, it's an ignorance thing there. That's why the fear is magnified. A lot of people used to say, because I know coming up, the, the, the people say, you know, money, money make you sin. No, money don't make you sin. It'll magnify the sin in you, but it won't make you sin. Because it's a tool. No more than this microphone can make me sin. It's simply a tool so my voice can be carried. Money is a tool so the gospel can be carried. Money don't make you sin. Money won't make you fall. <laughs> it's what's in you that'll cause you to stand or fall. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 26. I know. In verse 35, you're going to come to a close in just a minute here. Now, look what Peter did. You know, uh, you know, you always got some people that, you know, and I believe he meant well, but he didn't have no keeping power inside of him at the time. So he made a lot of promises that he couldn't keep, like a lot of believers. Lord, if you get me out of this jam, I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. And that lasts a good three weeks. Mm -hmm. Peter said unto him, he's talking to Jesus, though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. We're not going to deny thee. How many know they all denied him? They ran away when the fight was on. Are you running from the fight because of the persecution that's coming against the believer in the land? Because they're training and indoctrinating in the school to hate Christians. You got to learn how to overthrow that in your prayer time and then be anointed because they're being indoctrinated. Now, let me just say this. Now, this is free, but this doesn't cost you anything. If you got children approaching college age, you need to, as a parent, you, you don't let them steer that. You need to go and pray and find out if this is the time for them to go to college. Because to spend your money for them to come back and deny your Jesus, it wasn't worth it to me. It just wasn't worth it. That was wasted money. And if you don't rise above the situation, they don't listen to parents who are still struggling. They're already being told they don't have to obey parents. Anytime they believe a five-year-old can decide his own gender, do you think they're going to stop with your 18-year-old? Come on. You said that's not happening. Yes, it is. They're leaving it up to a five-year-old. Can you imagine what that's like? You go in there and remove that child's sexual organs at five. And if you're not careful, they're trying to approve and make a law that pedophiles should not be prison and put in prison anymore. Where are we going with this, y'all? Why are y'all still sleeping on the books? Things are still happening. Watch this. 
Jesus saying, they said, we ain't going to deny you. Look at verse 36. Then coming Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane and said unto the disciples, sit here while I go and pray. He didn't ask them to pray with him right there. He said, just sit here and wait on me. And he took with him Peter. He took three people. Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And began to, because see, sometimes you can't always show your emotions in front of everybody. But he kind of trusted Peter and John. And I can't remember the other one right now. But he could let himself be vulnerable in their presence because they had been with him a long time. Then he saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Okay, he said, Now I'm asking you to pray with me. You've been with me for a long time. I'm asking you to pray with me. I know those out there that I asked to stay out there and watch. Then they can't handle what I'm getting ready to go through. But I expected y'all to be able to do this. Do you hear the tone that's said here? And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. See, he didn't want to go to the cross. And nobody in their right mind wanted to go to the cross. If you lived in the Roman times, you understood what the cross was like. It was not a beautiful sight. But he asked those three disciples, pray with me. Come on and come into agreement and believe with me. And he cometh unto his disciples, those that he left near, those three, and findeth them asleep and said unto Peter, what? You mean you can't pray one hour? You can't pray with me for one hour? I'm in my last moment of being on the earth, and you can't pray with me for one hour? Do you see the predicament Jesus had? He better know the Father. Because the disciples turning into chicken. And mushy chicken at that. He says unto them, Watch and pray that you don't enter into temptation. Uh-oh. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He says your flesh got a problem because you can't even pray one hour. Ooh, y'all got quiet in here today. Uh-huh. You can't pray one hour. You got a flesh issue. Your flesh is weak. The spirit wants to, but your flesh can't handle this. Because you haven't brought that flesh. But Jesus understood them because they were not born again. He, 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 didn't, he didn't go crazy on them because I might have gone crazy on them. But anyway... Look at verse 42. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. Now he surrenders in his mind, his body, and his heart. He has already totally surrendered to death. And he came and found them sleep again, for their eyes were heavy. He left them and went away again and prayed the third time, the three times. Now, this is almost three hours of prayer. If you compare it to the first hour, let's just say it was three hours, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and said unto them, Sleep on. Take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. This is why you must know what the words say for you, for yourself. Because somebody, even though they might care about you, they're not going to always be there. But he was being overwhelmed, just like any of us would be. If you saw that you had to go to the cross, if somebody walked in this room there and said, and point a gun at either one of us, you have a moment. You have a moment. Don't pretend like you all there in that chip and, and the flower too. No, you will have a moment. It might be brief, but you will have a moment. 
Jesus was facing the cross. He was having a moment. But he knew what the Father had said about him. And that's what encouraged him. Mm. All right. So Jesus and Paul endured because they had a spirit of faith. Now, we read that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, 14. And we are supposed to have that same spirit of faith in us today. Therefore, we believe, and, and because we believe, we must speak. So speaking must be done in an atmosphere in order to remove fear. You do not remove fear from your atmosphere without speaking against it. It does not dissolve like a, a peel in water. No, you got to use words to get rid of fear. And the spirit of faith calls them to say the right thing in, in their adversities. They didn't get in their time of trouble and start saying something dumb. <laughs> Apostle Paul believed that the same God that raised Jesus from the dead will also work on his behalf. That's what Paul knew. That's why he could do so many exploits for the kingdom, because he believed that God would work on his behalf. Because he believed that God raised Jesus from the dead. Mm. Hallelujah. Have you ever been or even now are in a place of such great need that you have grown weary in your mind? I'm really here today to encourage you and to tell you that God is the only one who can bring your life to the place of joy. On the other side of your circumstance... It's joy. Look at the joy. What are you expecting? See, the greatness of God's power makes all heavy things light. That's why Apostle Paul could call it light affliction. Because in comparison to God's greatness, it was nothing. Jesus said to himself in Matthew uh, 11 verse 20, I believe. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Ooh. Take my yoke upon you and do what? Learn of me. Not just talk about me. Learn of me. Learn how I operate in every situation. We can see it in all of the scriptures. We just miss it because we're not looking for it. It's like a hidden treasure. He said, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He never intended for you to carry the weight of your circumstance. We're supposed to cast the care of our life on him. Ooh, hallelujah. According to Ephesians 1, 9, I'm getting ready to close. God's power is so great that it easily exceeds any and all other things that will work against us. Man, I tell you, that, that, that is such a powerful statement. You need to write that down. i say it again. According to Ephesians 1, 19, God's power is so great that it easily exceeds any and all other things that will work against us. Remember, the spirit of faith has to have a voice. Your voice. My voice. Why? Because according to 2 Corinthians 4.13, we have that spirit of faith that is described in the scriptures. And I said again, first I believe, then I spoke in faith. So we also must believe. And because we believe, believing requires speaking. And we do this because we are thoroughly convinced that the one that raised Jesus <laughs> will raise us up with him. And together we're going to be in his presence. And then lastly, keep your focus and put your attention on what God is doing for you instead of looking at what is coming against you. Keep your focus and attention on what God is doing for you. Don't let that slip. Because sometimes the things come. I mean, you know, my AC went down this last week. 
I could have sat in my house and had a pity party all week because I'm sitting in the heat now. Every fan in my house running. I went out. Uh, Mary came over, and she went and got me two other fans. I could have had a pity party. No, I didn't. I sweat and had a good praise party. <laughs> took a shower, sweat some more, took another shower. Keep right on. You know why? Because I'm determined. Now, it's going to be fixed tomorrow, but I'm determined. I'm not going to sit down and look at what's coming against me because I know that was a ploy of the enemy. But guess what? God provided the money. So, he, you know, <laughs> it's just a thing. Things, things sometimes go bad, you know. I just didn't want it to go bad like this, but, you know, because, you know, this heat is not funny. But guess what? Man, that fan, I put that fan on my floor, and I got that with my ceiling fan. My, it felt like a nice, cool breeze coming into my room. I slept better the last two nights, probably not slept in the last week or so, because that breeze is just going like, mm, just hum me right on the sleep. You know, because I'm not thinking about that like that. I could have I really been, I could have got on the phone and said, DJ, can I come to your house and spend the night? No, he would have let me come sleep, but then I'd have been uncomfortable on his couch. Mama don't do couch well. <laughs> I could have called Jalen and Casey, and they would have said, Mama, sure, come on over. But I just, this is my house. I ain't let the devil run me out my house because just a little bit warm, no. I saw, I saw what God had planned. I saw the joy. Not the circumstance. I saw the joy. What's the joy? God's going to get something like that. I know the devil mad with me because I've been teaching y'all some strong things. He don't like me, and I don't care. You know, in fact, I'm going to give y'all this. I was on face, Instagram because I don't do Facebook. I was on Instagram, and I made a comment on one of the sites that I follow. And somebody was following them apparently that don't like President Trump, don't like Christians. And they were just talking all kind of nonsense behind a comment I said. I almost want to get up there and pull my Bible and go to preaching. <laughs> and I mean, they called me an occult. They called me a fake Christian. And they called me everything you could think of, including cuss words. Don't even know me. Ain't never heard of me. They just jumped on the page. See, that's why, but you can't be afraid. I could have said, ooh, that's a fruitcake. They might be trying to find me. I can't be figuring that mess out. You know what I did? I wrote them back and I said, you need a new life. <laughs> because if, if this is what you got to do, you got too much time on your hand. Of course, they came back cussing because they didn't like what I said. <laughs> so you know what I did next? Block report. You can't be scared to say what's right. Don't be intimidated to say what's right. Somebody's going to always talk about you. Come on, stand to your feet. Let's get ready to receive the tithes and off. Did you learn anything this morning? See, because fear, fear is trying to engulf us. And we just got to stand on this word. You can't, you can't come out acting like you don't have a God unless you just don't have God. 